1: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and member FDIC. Hold
0: on to your butt. Come on, sucker. Let's get it
1: on. Oh, you want to fight? You want to fight? I do not entertain hypotheticals. The world as it is is vexing enough.
0: You don't know anybody named Irish. I don't know
1: nobody named Irish. Can I have a piece of toast? I don't give a damn what you think you are entitled to. We are changing the course of history as we see it. That is what Western demands. How could you do this to me? Really, I want to know. Why did you do that? What you feel only matters to you.
0: Step back for one minute and look at the big picture.
1: And that's all. No, no, not for the real fire. The office bombed a
0: family that Very few can understand. Help me. Help you. (laughs) I don't do drugs.
1: Or Whatever Movies with Wesley and Iris.
0: What up and welcome to Or Whatever Movies. I am your co-host, Iris, and I am here with the murderer of love himself, my older brother. Wesley. Today we're talking a movie from 2007, Dan in
1: Real Life. Was this your first time seeing Dan in real life?
0: Probably second, but I didn't remember much.
1: Didn't make an impression, huh?
0: Honestly, when you suggested that we review Dan in real life, I thought you were talking about the other Steve Carell family beach movie where he gets all aggro.
1: Which was what?
0: And attempts to kill himself.
1: Oh, Little Miss Sunshine. Spoiler, Jesus.
0: Whenever you see the key art for Dan in real life, do you want to eat pancakes?
1: Not necessarily. Mitch Hedberg said it best. He said, all exciting to eat at first, but then at the end, you're freaking sick of them.
0: That's kind of feel about Snickerdoodles. Like people freak out about Snickerdoodles. Oh my God, Snickerdoodles are the best cookies ever. But they really don't have a good aftertaste.
1: The Snickerdoodles are the closest I can come to my favorite types of cookies, which are the slightly more bland, like the sugar cookies, or grandma's, like those butter cookies. Those are the bomb.
0: The Dutch ones that come in the circular tin... Anyway, I was never like a big The Office fan. I didn't really get into The 40-Year-Old Virgin. But his some of his dramatic turns are some of my favorite performances. I love him in The Big Short. I love him in Foxcatcher, although weird. Weird. Philanthropist and philanderer.
1: Man, which I called Ratcatcher for years. Foxcatcher? Yeah. I had a boss. Howie, shout out to Howie, he's not listening, who met Steve Carell's character in Foxcatcher, John DuPont, because Howie was a wrestler at the time, maybe out of high school or in the college level, and he shook his hand and welcomed him because they were on his property, right? It was like a wrestling camp, and said, you know, make yourself at home, I hope you have a good time here, a pleasant stay for the camp or whatever, and then he leaned in and said,
0: they're watching
1: you in the
0: trees. No, he didn't.
1: Yeah, that's Howie's story, and he's sticking to it.
0: Whoa, super
1: creep. Steve Carell definitely has range, but his breakthrough, I guess, arguably to mainstream star was Bruce Almighty, where he did definitely the comic thing. And he's maybe the only person that could stand up to the likes of Jim Carrey in that movie.
0: Yeah. Bruce Almighty, Tom J.D.X., Death Nail.
1: Well, no, Downfall. Evan Almighty. A massive follow-up oh. with steve carell in the lead role that's what that i'm cost, talking about right, that they cost hundreds of millions of dollars but his cameo and bruce almighty it really ignited his career but anyway oh,
0: interesting and then yeah evan almighty i was a marketing coordinator on and uh that proved to be the end of tom Shadyac. although i would say probably personally he would say there were other things that took him from movie making
1: yeah he's around still
0: kind of i mean he's kind of off the grid
1: well, literally. Last I heard, he was living in a trailer like on a cliff in Malibu.
0: Yeah. And like riding bikes or he had a bike business. But funny you mentioned Evan Almighty because I thought about that in this performance. Steve Carell is he's got a lot of range because he plays super creepy in Foxcatcher. He plays angry, but very sympathetic and lovable in the big short. And in this role, he's kind of sad. And he can never find his place. He's in this horrible pickle with this love triangle. But in the Evan Almighty character, he's like angry all the time. And it's not funny. Like, I think he's great when he's angry, but not when it's supposed to be funny.
1: It was bigger than it was funny. I think it was meant to be like this strange epic comedy movie. And they didn't really yeah. give him a chance to shine. They buried him in the wig and the beard and were like, be Moses. And he was like, What? But yeah, I dare I say Steve Carell, successor to Robin Williams. Rest in peace. I think he's great in dramatic and is definitely comedically talented without having to be on all the time. You know, Hmm. he's not exhausting himself. He seems like a pretty put together dude and can be serious, but also has a lot of chops. And uh, you can put him front and center and maybe I personally don't get tired of him.
0: Yeah, he's certainly not manic like Robin Williams, but I think he does fill maybe a certain gap that Robin Williams left behind. He has incredible restraint in Dan in real life and even some kind of weird charm. Like, I have never in my life given Steve Carell a second look as a love interest. But in this one, I was like, "Mm, damn, he's kind of charming, like, in a weird, dorky way.
1: Yeah, but Emily Blunt enamored charming?
0: Now, Emily Blunt did not work for me in this movie. She, her character, tonally, is so off. You know, she's quirky and she's charming and she's beautiful and she's Emily Blunt. What was her name? Ruthie Pigface?
1: Ruthie Pigface Draper. <laughs> I don't want to go with the big face.
0: <laughs> I feel like it was a problem with the directing. She totally is just too weird for this movie. Uh,
1: too, too weird
0: for this very grounded movie.
1: Too British for this movie, maybe.
0: Well, she's not, but she's not affecting it. She's affecting a, a, an American accent.
1: Yeah, is it successful? Is it a little bit awkward because she's playing American? I don't know. I'm just asking.
0: I don't have a good ear for that kind of stuff. I mean, uh, people say that Renee Zellweger and Gwyneth Paltrow have flawless British accents, and it's like I'm like, well, they sound pretty good. I That's true.
1: I can't necessarily tell. When I think of Dan in Real Life, I don't think and if there are missteps or miscasts because she's great but maybe the direction didn't help her in this role. Emily yeah. Blunt is not the first person I think of when I thought of recommending Dan in Real Life to you. It's like, well, Steve Carell, everybody's really solid in it and there's Emily Blunt and things and uh Julia Binoche, but also Dane Cook is in it, so try to get around that.
0: <laughs> really, you don't, he's not your thing, he's not your Well,
1: It's like if you split Robin Williams into brothers, and Steve Carell was the serious bearded Robin Williams, and Dane Cook was the manic one. I guess he's pretty manic in stand-up, and he's like the Nickelback of comedy or whatever. Some people love Nickelback, and some people love Dane Cook, but... In this, he plays the hapless, like he doesn't look good. His character doesn't look good in this movie, especially next to Dan, who's so earnest and lovable. He's charming in a quirky way, but he's also kind of a douche. But I don't think he was bad as an actor. Separating him from his comedy, as we kind of have to do with anybody who takes roles in movies like this. Did he do fine? I think he did. But I always feel the need to qualify this movie when I recommend it.
0: Because Dan Cook.
1: Yep. Did he rub you in a weird way? Because I'm surprised at Emily Blunt.
0: Um, He did not rub me the wrong way in his character.
1: Right. That's what I'm saying.
0: In his character, I think he's really appropriate. Where Emily Blunt was maybe hurt by her context and her direction, I think Dane Cook was kind of elevated because he makes the story work so well you're like i kind of like him but he's kind of douchey like <laughs> so you uh, you totally understand why juliette binoche's marie might be conflicted and also he makes the ending work the fact that he could so easily be like well moving on to emily blunt pig face like right he makes it so believable so i think i think real life really worked to help dane cook
1: i think the opportunity for dane cook to be dane cook the most was during the talent competition where he is goofy and dumb and sort of over the top, but so far outshined by Steve Carell, who does nothing, <laughs> you know, because obviously we're that's our focus. But I think Dane Cook was correct for this role. A uh, lot of heavy hitters in the family. Diane Weist. it's good to see her. Amy Ryan had her minute when she was nominated for Gone Baby Gone.
0: And I only associate her with that role, which means that I only associate her with looking really weathered and used. And here she was like all kind of polished up and clean. But she's deep, deep in the credits list in this in terms of billing. Like,
1: Yeah, not a huge forward character. So now I'm looking and Peter Hedges, the director, didn't direct anything really that landed with me in this way. I mean, what's eating Gilbert Grape is a classic because of Johnny Depp and because of DiCaprio. But... Oh, did I just say that? I said that out loud. That's on the record.
0: You what? You endorsing Johnny Depp?
1: Uh, then I'm endorsing Leonardo DiCaprio. Undoubtedly, what's eating Gilbert Grape his strongest acting performance.
0: That's, it's a different Leonardo DiCaprio. That's not a leading man, Leonardo DiCaprio.
1: So Dan in real life for me is the standout from this guy. Peter Hedges.
0: How did you come about this movie?
1: Well, I, I think I saw this movie in the theater. I remember liking it enough uh, so that I was in Best Buy one day and I was buying something else completely unrelated. And then there was a bundle. You, if you purchase one of these movies, you get one of these movies for 10 bucks. And I was like, oh, I can totally get Dan in real life for 10 bucks. And then I watched it a few times. Come to find out it's one of Kelly's favorite movies. And so we've watched it together. And so the story goes.
0: How much of your love for this initially had to do with Juliette Binoche because she seems like so your type?
1: So, Steve Carell is older, he's a dad and and Juliette Binoche is older and she plays the love interest in a very adult way. There's nothing I mean everybody's charming. Everybody in the movie is charming. She's charming certainly, but she's not the creepy little girl vibe that maybe emily blunt was just a little bit like i yeah. think emily blunt might have been too young for right. steve carell but julia Benoche wasn't
0: for a plastic surgeon too and
1: yet julia binoche was marie was maybe just a little bit old for dane cook's character yeah but whatever the case julia binoche is great she's you know beautiful and all that stuff she was never like super on top of my list or whatever
0: Hmm. Well, more of her personality type, like you, I think, really gravitate toward characters or like women who are, you know, sweet, accessible. I don't know. Just nice.
1: Well, she's definitely endearing. Yeah, I don't need drama.
0: But also kind of excitable.
1: <laughs> OK. Kelly's going to listen to this, you know.
0: And? And nothing. Am I saying something incorrect? Nope. Let's talk about the daughters because I watched this with Brian, and every cringy moment with the daughters, I was like, "Are you prepared for this? <laughs> Are you mentally preparing yourself for this?" Because it's coming. There was one moment with, um, Kara, the obviously 15-year-old going on 25. Basically, the um, Garfield
1: in the car window. It was the, All the like Garfield clinging the to the to the, the car window and distraught when her boyfriend had to leave. <laughs>
0: Yeah, collapsing in the field and yeah. and having to be comforted by her sister. There's one moment where she, like, looks to him where, you know, it's really early in the story. And we're still getting their characters. And she's like, you are interrupting my studies. It's one of her first kind of outbursts where she's trying to pretend that she cares about her schoolwork when, when in fact, she really just cares about seeing her boyfriend. And Brian was like, oh, my God, that's so going to be Paloma.
1: <laughs> As the older sister, man.
0: Yeah. But these girls, um, they're obviously a team, right? They stand together. They, they stick by each other and support each other. But they also have their unique things going on. Like the daughters in their way were kind of more fleshed out, oddly, than Julia Pinoche's Marie.
1: The daughters were Dan's focus. They were They had lost their mom he was very determined he couldn't just race off and sneak out in the middle of the night to go meet marie in the woods or something because his priority was taking care of his daughters making sure they had a good time and also trying to keep them in the family mode as opposed to the you know the boyfriend mode or whatever but they were keeping him in check and they were the they were the, his emotional ground all his decisions revolved around them and i would say that they were the stakes in that having a family rift between two adult males over a woman, the brothers would have gotten over it or not, or whatever. But also, his kids were watching, and Marie needed to be able to vibe with them, to get in with them, and and be endearing to the whole family, right? If they were, if she was accepted by them, then she was accepted by anyone.
0: That's true, and she was she was so accepted by them that Kara actually preferred Marie to her own dad at the end.
1: So some accountability for dan's character i think in mm. in the kids whereas marie and ruthie Pigface draper were opposite counterparts to th- shake up or threaten the family that he was trying to hold together
0: yeah i can see that i mean i think it's interesting to think about the girls as stakes i think that they had some cute tidy story arcs that just kind of worked for me and felt very buttoned up like you know Allison wanting to drive and then needing to drive at the end, needing to literally chauffeur her father who has a has a suspended or surrendered license. And Dan telling Kara like it's impossible to fall in love with someone in three days, and then he proves her exactly right. Like these girls' stories are pretty tidily crafted. Lily, like she asserts very early on that she can, she's capable of making stuff up. Yeah, and, and she um, she
1: produced the drawing for him that he. You know, keeping him accountable would have been him paying attention to them appropriately at that time when he was all conflicted about his brother and a woman so that he didn't even look at the drawing, kept on turning her away.
0: Right. Which was so sad. Oh, when she was like, "Okay, daddy. And like he keeps on brushing her off. Oh,
1: yeah. He's a little bit distracted. What are you going to do? Women do that to dudes. Speaking of the suspended license and the ticket stuff, that could be a convention of typical comedies, romantic comedies, right? That recurring gag. But how did that land for you? Because those are the moments away from the family, away from the drama that definitely played just for comedy.
0: Well, it had story functions, so it felt justified. I don't know if it was funny. And though it was kind of funny, I didn't get it when he said, add it to the tab. (laughs) Like, his delivery of... (laughs) <laughs> it's funny, but like, why was he, did the officer literally not hear him or was he like offended? I, I was wondering if he was going to be like, you know, are you sassing me? Like, I'm going to throw you in the, in the slammer or something. Like, what was that moment for other yeah. than just pure comedy?
1: There are only a few moments that stick out that are obviously like that to be played for comedy. And that's one of them. The other is the scene at the restaurant with uh, Ruthie Pigface Draper and uh, Marie and Mitch When Steve Carell starts dancing and that's oh my god this is Ben Stiller level awkwardness and comedy right (laughs) where it's funny because it's so cringeworthy
0: so cringy
1: the movie falls into that quite a few times especially with Uh, the family stuff like the washing machine scene and the stuff about clearing the pipes and the family coming in and asking what's going on
0: oh my god the shower scene
1: But this is one of Kelly's favorite movies, specifically because that family is so tightly knit and they do their aerobics on the yard and junk.
0: Is this like the the origin of her obsession with families and cabins?
1: In a way. Yeah, she very much wants this big family type of vibe where everyone is included and does group activities and stuff.
0: So Brian and I talked about this and I was like, oh, my God, Wesley thinks that we're a cult. This is the cultiest white familyest movie ever.
1: Yeah, but they don't all dress the same. That was weird.
0: Oh, because family aerobics is not weird?
1: (laughs) I'm not saying that family aerobics Men
0: versus women crossword puzzle competition, not weird?
1: I don't get it. You and I were raised in a Japanese household and we didn't have this element. We have family around us for sure because mom is Mexican and what are you going to do? But we don't have these kinds of gatherings. We're lucky to see everybody twice a year. And so this is a strange vibe for me, but it wasn't for Kelly who has two siblings and, and cousins and junk.
0: Don't get me wrong. I like the idea. It's kind of a fantasy to think about being a matriarch one day and having everybody come to your fabulous home to spend holidays or feel like they've got a place where everyone can come and be comfortable and be together. Like, it's a nice, idyllic thought and sentiment and stuff. And Brian t- and his family have this to a certain extent. I mean, when things were normal and you could travel, we would go to Ohio and Jeanette would organize, you know, her own version of talent shows where we would literally all sing oh my God. Christmas songs. I mean, it was for the benefit of Of Caroline and Paloma who was really young at the time but like I was like oh um, oh yeah sure I'll I mean I don't really know Deck the Halls but I'll wing it
1: I mean you've put on talent shows yourself but it's not about the closeness of the family and their willingness to not be reserved and to do things with each other, for each other, and in front of each other, which is weird for me. What was harder for me was the idea that he can't get away from his family. One conversation between, private conversation between two people becomes the whole family chiming in. In my house, it's, the, it's now the five of us with cats. And we're trying to get these two cats reconciled and so that they can hang out with each other without killing each other so that we can all leave the house at the same time and we won't come back to one of them dead. But we can't keep the doors closed because the cats need to come in and out of our room or they'll yowl in the hallway. And whenever Rebecca wants one of the cats, she'll just like boot the door open and come into the bedroom. And it's like, wait, that was never a thing before because we could always lock it or have the door latched. But there's this weird all-inclusive vibe like we're like I'm in a, the Dan in real life house, and you can't ever shut the door right now. And that's just kind of always been our thing, the way we were raised. So Dan in real life stands in that way as like a fantasy curiosity kind of movie of what families, some families are like.
0: Yeah. The best illustration of this is when Nana and Poppy try and sidebar with Dan and they're like, you know, you're (laughs) what does she say? Like, you're a real problem or like, we're really worried about you. And then one by one, everybody starts filtering into the odd room
1: all up in his business.
0: And then eventually Dane Cook and Marie kind of Mitch and Marie kind of wander in and he just Steve Carell literally just laughs to himself because he's like this is just perfect. Like yeah. You're all coming in to tell me that you're worried about me and the reason that I am in this state just walked into the door. It's got a Home alone vibe where everyone's all up in each other's business and they're arguing and... But it's and, kind of
1: established and inher- like all of these people are this way because the parents, while well-intentioned, are kind of all up in Dan's grown-ass man kind of business.
0: That's true. And Mitch, you know, the moment that he gets dumped, he's like,
1: Mom! Oh no!
0: And he, like, comes running to mommy into the family and to be consoled, whereas maybe, you know, Dan, as a father of three, kind of learned to kind of more self-regulate and isn't quite so used to Poppy and Nana's interventions.
1: You know, Dad sent me that love is cartoon that Mom continually clips out of the newspaper. I think it's the only reason they still have a, a physical newspaper delivered. But he wrote the, the stuff about new pants, and it was supposed to be about the first time I met Kelly. and. I had forgotten that I told him that. So apparently I went to mom all excited. Mom was having some kind of health issue the-
0: diverticulitis.
1: But I told her, like, I guess to cheer her up that I had a date with this hot blonde or whatever, and they like latched onto that. In mom and dad's own ways, they are interested in our business, but mom at least tries really hard not to get into our business. Your lives are your lives, you know. Still, but you're we were all, raised, but... We're, yeah, we're comfy. I'm comfy. You're gonna—I don't know what you're gonna say, but I'm all comfy with our family vibe and how it goes. Like, I don't need to mess with it more. What does that mean? I'm just saying that we grew up a certain way. It is not the Dan in real life way. And that's a little bit of a relief for me because I don't know how we would change our existing situation.
0: You are a little bit more of a mama's boy and you love to update them and let them know when you arrive at and return from places for some reason. And that love is pants thing was so bizarre to me. Like I was like, I was like, why did dad write? new pants and then draw an arrow toward the boy's pants in the love is drawing and I was like "Um, I didn't know that you had new pants when you first met Kelly (laughs) why did he write
1: blonde instead of Kelly (laughs) she's obviously blonde in the cartoon
0: (laughs) because that's how you referred to her but apparently you didn't tell everybody about the new shirt and the new jacket or whatever
1: oh man i was so stressed out that day because it was the next day she was like put up or shut up show up or i'm done i don't need a freaking pen pal and then i had to show up uh and meet her in person having after having met on tinder but it was all right. Maybe our meeting was kind of Dan in real life because I like showed up at the spot all all early and found like a hidden spot where I could watch the the proposed meeting place. And I was like hiding behind an information gazebo at the Irvine Spectrum and like waiting to, a, to see if she would show up. So I wouldn't be like the dude with the flower on the table waiting for a blind date that never showed outside like <laughs> the, the melt or Chipotle or whatever.
0: Wait, so you spied on her when she showed up?
1: Yeah, that's my. Th- Does that surprise you at all?
0: No, but I have to point out that it's not normal.
1: No, but it's kind of damn real lifey.
0: It is. I mean, then did you? Well, you already wowed her with your literary prowess, and I'm sure you recommended many a book prior mm. to your meet cute.
1: No, she actually recommended several to me.
0: Their meet cute was sub. Had some substance to it. Even the even the montage of their conversation, which was probably, which you know, they suggested was like hours long you know, had some substance to it. I feel like usually that is really glossed over, but I thought that Peter had just did a good job in this film of establishing that there was a real connection and establishing how their connection even evolved and developed over the course of kind of having to hide it and suppress it in, you know, in the company of the family.
1: Yeah, it felt natural, albeit a little bit idealistic in the way that meat cutes and rom-coms tend to be. It was the old-school organic way, To meet a person, how fortunate that he would be in some eastern resort town, stumble into a bookstore and meet the woman of his dreams.
0: And she was a little, you know, for someone who was seeing someone, did you kind of question, you know, her motives?
1: Well, a lot of her motives. I mean, you consider both of them were in the wrong. They couldn't help what was happening. But Mitch, for all his faults, didn't deserve what happened to him. His shock and him punching Dan in the face in the bowling alley, spoiler, was justified. But I think that her, uh, I kind of attributed a lot of her actions to being not American, not of this type of family, and, and her working her way in and charming them. If she wasn't trying to step out on Mitch, it just sort of happened that way. But also maybe dudes are transparent and maybe don't give your number to a bookstore dude. And maybe if you're Dan, don't ask for bookstore lady's number when she says she's involved. You know, they they did connect on a bookish, non-relationship level. And maybe something could have happened or whatever down the line. It's not like she had been dating Mitch forever. This is the first time she was meeting anybody.
0: I think the only motivation that I would question was her motivation for going to the bookstore to begin with. Like, it was kind of unclear. Was she looking for a book that she could bury herself in and avoid the awkwardness of meeting a family, which supposedly she was not aware she was going to be meeting?
1: Yeah, she was kind of ambushed. I like to think that she had like a pooping problem and was looking for a book that could help her out.
0: And then there he was, Dan, with Everybody Poops.
1: Meeting all her needs. But it all worked. It all worked, and it came together in a movie that I don't think was a comedy. I think it was a sad man drama with a lot of comedic elements because it had a naturally comedic, funny lead.
0: Um, 100% a comedy because it ends in a wedding.
1: Oh... So it straddles a weird line. It can't land in the pantheon of great comedies, and and it's maybe a little bit too light in that way to be a full-blown, nominee for best picture of the year kind of drama. And and I can say that it straddles a line for marketability, and, and who thinks that Dan in real life stands out as one of Steve Carell's best movies? I compared it to Little Miss Sunshine, which are these kind of niche movies. But this one was warm and fuzzy to me. And and if it was a romantic comedy, which in parts it was, is the kind, my favorite kind, which is a little bit more genuine, just a little bit deeper, not so flighty, not so zany, despite the dancing and despite the recurring ticket gag, just sweeter. And the idea of being involved with his brother and all being trapped in this house was pretty convenient but it didn't play wacky most of the time and i like that
0: would you say that this is uh, a little bit of a movie of a bygone era
1: um, i would more say that it exists in a middle space that doesn't get a lot of traction i mean this movie has its fans but it's hard to put in a netflix category
0: well good thing netflix has like about a gazillion categories at this point yeah
1: and the cover art is kind of dumb But I think this is the sweet spot where he comes across as earnest and not wacky and not dumb. He's smart. He's just a little bit hapless because he's been blindsided by the death of his wife.
0: Yeah. And the fact that the first woman he meets that he's interested in happens to be his brother's girlfriend.
1: Yeah. And you can tell that if he didn't have these troubles weighing him down, he would be the sort of effervescent person that Ruthie Pigface Draper thinks he is.
0: Maybe. I mean, what are we saying here? Dan in real life, well cast, fairly tidy buttoned-up story, you know, well-directed, maybe with the exception of Emily Blunt, and a very charming and sympathetic lead in Steve Carell. I mean, that kind of sounds like a good to me.
1: It does. It doesn't fall victim to some of the trappings that romantic comedies have, or that dramas have, where everyone has to be miserable all the time. People have their own orbits, and they conflict in a family in a way that's not hateful or lashing out or dramatic necessarily. It felt real in Dan's real life in that way to me. Everybody is a big personality in this family, but it came together because they're stuck together because they're family.
0: Dan is certainly stuck with his girls, if you could say that about kids, and making the best of it, and making the best of this kind of collision with his family in this very kind of awkward, sad time in his life.
1: Could be worse. I mean, it's worth a punch to get the girl of his dreams. Uh, It certainly didn't take Mitch long to uh, move on from that. Might have been a little bit awkward at the wedding, but they were there. They were dancing. So happy ending. And uh, losing a spouse, I imagine, has to be life devastating, especially for the kids and their moms who seem to be much better recovered than Dan was. But everybody moves on, and uh, it was probably the best outcome.
0: I mean, super fantastical. I mean, he gets the girl, he gets the job, right? He gets syndicated and his girls are happy. You know, they love her, if not prefer her to him. And I mean, basically in Dan's real life, he wins. And maybe that's just kind of the, the escapist kind of rom-com that we, uh, that we also want.
1: And uh, there's no better indicator that things turned out all right because everyone showed up at the wedding.
0: I guess it's a pretty good litmus test for uh, family relations, So
1: Dan in real life gets it totally from me. It's a movie that I go back to. Yeah. Every now and then. Um, And, uh, And I just don't, there are no glaring issues with me that would knock it down. And I think that the drawbacks to it, which could have been potentially Dane Cook, you seem to think that Emily Blunt didn't quite hit all the right notes. But there's nothing in it that didn't make it a very solid movie of this type. And a movie that is better than just all right. I really like Dan in real life. And I'm not saying that just because Kelly would definitely say that. But this is one of the totally movies in the same vein as maybe Peanut Butter Falcon. And movies like that that really struck a chord with the right balance of not being cheesy comedy and not being overly dramatic schmaltzy.
0: Wow. There you got it. Wes's highest rating a totally for Dan in real life a good from Iris. I wouldn't necessarily classify this as a holiday movie but I do hope you enjoy it at the uh, tail end of our 2020 2021 holidays. Eight one eight eight three five zero four seven three or whatever movies at gmail.com Please check out our Instagram feed and like and comment. Please subscribe to our podcast. It helps other listeners find us. And please support us on Patreon. Thank you for listening and Happy New Year. We'll see you next time.